your environment. Um, and really, that's my sermon for today. That's why, if you think about it, that's why, as we've been saying for the last six weeks, we are better together, right, than we are alone. Through 40 days of community, many of you have been experiencing that for six weeks in, you know, a pressure cooker kind of way where we all come together in small groups. We've been seeing something that I'd like to focus on today, uh, and that is this. It's what the church is all about, too, in a less intense kind of way. It's about stewed disciples. It's about, you know, the stewing of disciples that happens when we're really together. Because truly, we're better together. It's what Boone said at the end of the video. Imagine truly Christian communities being truly committed to a great environment for long-term discipleship. These communities, he said, really seasoning their environment, being salt and light, being an aroma that is really pleasing to the Lord. Caring communities that go passionately. That's what the church is all about, stewed disciples. So much of what they said in the video applies to us. So much of it was so well said. So much of it summed up in a lot of ways uh, what we've been uh, learning for quite a while now. Teresa said, discipling is all about creating an environment where the Spirit can soften hearts and wills. Just like that meat up there is being softened. You want your heart and your will softened? Well, then become part of a warm community. Boone said, discipling is all about making Jesus a reality and letting that reality penetrate the depths of the human soul. Isn't that good? You want the reality of Jesus to penetrate the depths of your soul and to season you from, you know, the inside out. That's what being in the body of Christ is all about. Boone said, God's Word, reading it, studying it, learning to be fluent in recognizing God's voice, hearing God. Put God's Word in a pressure cooker and you will have a landmark experience. God's Word is potent. It awakens the senses and nourishes the soul. You want God's Word to be, you know, potent in your life, to awaken your senses and to nourish your soul. Well, then come to a place where you'll hear it where you'll hear it preached from the pulpit, taught in Sunday school classes, studied and discussed in small groups like many of you have been doing, seasoning us from the pulpit to the prayer closet. Teresa said, good stewed meat takes time. Good discipleship takes time. So once you've found a place like that, stick around. It might get really hot sometimes. It might become difficult. But... uh, In that kind of environment, it's worth sticking it out. Stick around. Give it time. It's worth the work. It's worth the the wait. (laughs) Boone said, you say tomato, I say tomato. Or no, he says, you say tomato, right? We say tomato. Or whatever. Some say fellowship. Some say community. What they all mean, he said, is camaraderie, mutual service, time together, worship together, accountability. I'd like to talk today about some of these things, many of which have been wrapped up in our 40 days of community emphasis in our small groups and elsewhere. I'd like to talk about what we've learned as we've kind of stewed together 
uh, over these last six weeks. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 11 and 12, Remember today what you have learned about the Lord through your experiences with Him. Through your experiences with Him. Some things can only be learned by experience, right? You can't learn them in any other way. I could have taught you for a full year about, you know, the value of community, of fellowship, uh, of God's family, the importance of being together with one another, how I could have taught for 10 years about how we need each other. But you, um, you don't get it until you actually do it, right? Until you actually get into a group, and uh, commit it to it and experience it. And then you experience real koinonia, being as committed to each other as we are uh, to Jesus Christ. So what have we learned uh, over six weeks? And many of you have been doing this for far longer. But what, what have we learned fellowshipping together? We learned two of the most important truths in life. One, that we belong to each other. And two, that we need each other. We belong to each other, and we need each other. We cover this almost every week from the pulpit and in our uh, Bible studies and things as we looked at being together in the Lord. Romans twelve five. Since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs uh, all the others. We, we hammered this truth home over and over. God never meant you to go through life on your own. We need to do life together, to stew life together. God never meant you to walk through life alone. Whether, you, whether you're married or not married is irrelevant. You need a spiritual family that's going to be there through thick and thin, through tough times. Remember when I talked about the illustration of the redwood trees? They don't have, interestingly, they don't have very deep roots at all, which is a little bit surprising, isn't it, given how tall they are? Well, then how do they stand century after century uh, so strong? Well, um, they're the biggest things on the planet because though they don't have very deep roots, they grow in groves, only in groves really, and their roots interconnect with each other underneath the ground. They hold each other up in the storms and in the winds and through the, uh, through the fires of life. So we need each other. And we belong to each other. We learned a lot about being together in groups, in fellowship. Here are some of the comments of those who were involved. I love this group because when I walk through the door, I feel like I slow down. And I recenter myself. And I feel like there's a God in me that really starts expressing himself. Isn't that beautiful? There's a God in me who really starts expressing himself. Those are some of the things that's been really, really powerful for me. Someone else. We all care about each other. We all share what we have with each other. And another, it's finally given me a real sense of belonging in a church family. What I love about this group is the openness. When we came together, we just instantly bonded. There was a family there. That family we could call each other in the middle of the night or anything we needed, and somebody was there for us. Another, it makes me feel I belong in a family. It's a good feeling. Or, what I love about this group is just the weekly connection. Being new, they are truly my family away from home. Then the last, we, we've grown to love each other, and it's just great to have someone watching your back throughout life. <laughs> These guys ought to be up here preaching. During 40 Days of Community, we looked at the fact that relationships 
are really, in a lot of ways, what life is all about. God says that, that if you summarize the whole Bible, it's love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, right? That's the, 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 great, the, the first and the second great commandments by which he summed up everything. There's a vertical and there's a horizontal part of life, and both of them are highly relational. You have a relationship with God and you have a relationship with others. You learn to love God and you learn to love others. Bottom line. If you do that, God says you've got it. Because life is about our relationship to God and our relationship with one another, which is another part of our relationship to God. Because God's in us, right? Like the woman said, striving to shine through us. We also learned that during those relationships, we've got to work at them. It's not always easy. By definition, it's going to be hard. Sometimes it's going to be iron sharpening iron. I'm sure that during 40 days of community, there were times you felt like, you know, you didn't feel like going to your small group. You'd rather just stay home and lay on the couch and watch your favorite TV show or whatever. But you got up, many of you, and you went anyway. And it's not only blessed you, it's blessed other people. And at least everyone I've talked to, it was worth it. It takes, but it takes effort. James 3.18, you can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other and treating each other with dignity and honor. He says it takes hard work. Yeah, it takes hard work to build relationships. It takes hard work to build community, to build uh, fellowship. But the benefits are far above and above worth the effort because you have people who are in your life, walking through life with you, and you're not alone, and they care about you, and you care about them. And when there are conflicts, you work it out biblically, and we teach each other how to do that. That's what we've been doing. And just like in a marriage, the conflicts, if you work them out biblically, create deeper relationships than could have happened otherwise. The benefits are enormous. The Bible says it's good and pleasant when God's children dwell together in unity. When there's community, God says it's good. And that means it's beneficial and it's pleasant. It means it's pleasurable. And today we're kind of celebrating the fact that some people discovered community in ways that they never knew possible. Many started getting involved in a small group for the first time. That's some of what we've learned about what happens when you get together in the same pot and you start really fellowshipping together. So what do we learn about growing together? That was another main theme, about growing together. We learned that it takes participation. You don't just grow by what you hear. You grow by, uh, or, or by what you learn. You grow by, ju- uh, or just by going to Bible studies. It's by uh, putting it into practice that you grow. Of course, you need those other things. But um, without those other things, we become Pharisees. Unless we put them into practice. The Bible says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. It can be a dangerous thing to just hear uh, the word creates couch potato Christians. We have people who hosted a group for the first time who, who actually got out and did something in response to God's call, to what they saw in God's Word. And in that action of just leading a group, 
they were really changed by it. Um, we had people who prayed in public in a group for the first time. Um, we had people who served in a small group for the first time in one of these projects that we've been doing, or served in uh, a project in the church or the community. Many of you grew during that time because you were literally doing, you were stretching your muscles. Powerful lesson. You don't grow by sitting down, you know, and reading a book on bodybuilding. I don't know if any of you have ever tried to do that. You could sit there, you know, and eat your Pringles and your, drink your Coke and read every page, right? You could underline a few chapters. You might even memorize a few verses of a bodybuilding book, right? But it's not going to build your body at all. The only way you build it is by putting into practice. Not that we, you can't put it into practice unless you read about it. But the only way to actually grow is by putting it into practice and actually doing something about it. And many of you have, have tasted this powerfully by the choices that you've made in the context of 40 days of community. What have we learned about growing? Well, we learned some real important truths. One, we learned that we grow, that we become seasoned Christians far faster together than alone. And we learned that we grow stronger together. In fact, it's really hard to grow spiritually by yourself. You can get head knowledge out of the Bible, but that's not what God says is growth. Notice Ephesians 2.21, we who believe are carefully joined together with Christ as parts of a beautiful, constantly growing temple for God. We grow by being connected with one another as parts of a whole. That's the idea. By being well connected. Remember we talked about if you cut off your hand and it just lays over there, it's not going to grow. It's not even going to survive for, for long because we're members of something bigger than ourselves. It's going to die. And if you don't get connected to the body of Christ in, a, in a, an intimate kind of a way, um, if you're not connected to a body of believers who are in your life and you're in theirs, it's like there's no life blood that flows. No spirit that really flows through you in all sorts of ways. You cannot grow apart from the body, or at least nearly like you can grow when you're in the body, which is the family of God, the body of Christ. You've got to get connected. That's what many of you have been learning. We grow faster and stronger and uh, far deeper that way. Second, the second thing we learned is that the goal of growing together is to become like Jesus Christ. Or as Boone said, making Jesus a reality and letting that reality penetrate the depths of the human soul. That happens when we stew together. This work must continue. Uh, Paul said, until we're all joined together in the same faith and in the same knowledge of the Son of God, all joined together. We must become a mature person, growing until we become like Christ and have His perfection. More and more, this kind of environment makes us more like Christ. And what is Christ? Well, Christ is really, if you look about it, it He is seasoned perfection. He's the kind of, Christ on earth is the kind of seasoned 
perfection that comes when brothers and sisters dwell together and mingle together and are warm together and come up with something that has a great aroma. Seasoned perfection is what happens best in the body of Christ. Have any of you attained to perfection? I hope not. Well, then you still need the church, and so do I. We need small groups and the entire church environment. What have we learned about? That's what we learned about growing together, among much else. But what have we learned about serving together? How is it that we're better together when we serve together? Well, we learned two uh, very important truths. One is that we all need to be served. And second, we all need to serve others. We all need to allow others to serve us. And we all need to turn outward and serve others. First, you've got to learn to be served. And that's hard, um, especially sometimes in Summit County. I'm not sure all the reasons. Uh, But you've got to learn to accept help from other people. You need to learn to accept what other people have to offer because it's really good. To receive it deep into your soul and not to resist, much less to reject it. If you can't accept help from other people, odds are you've got a pride problem. You've got an ego problem if you can't accept help from other people. On the other hand, if you've never helped anybody else, you've got a selfishness problem, right? Either way, God says that's not the way it was supposed to be. You're designed to give and to receive. Give, receive, give, receive all the time. And in that context, we become more and more seasoned, deep in our being to be more like Christ. You're designed to give and to receive, to serve and to be served, to share uh, uh, and to be shared with. And, you know, during 40 days of community, we clarified a bunch of family responsibilities. What is the responsibility then that that I have uh, in the body of Christ? And during our daily devotions, we looked at 40 of the one another passages Uh, that are in the Bible. Love one another, care for one another, uh, help one another, serve one another, share with one another, greet one another, encourage one another, counsel one another. It goes on and on all through the New Testament. It's the the Bible saying we need one another. It's an incredible recipe when when, when a diversity of Christians gets together and starts to mingle and to blend. It's a recipe for Christ. And there's nothing like the aroma of Christ to attract a malnourished world. God intended all those influences, loving one another, caring for one another, serving one another, all those influences to be all around us all the time. seasoning us to perfection to be more like Christ. We are to serve each other in so many different ways. And when I'm down, you're supposed to help pull me up. And when you're down, I'm supposed to help pull you up. We serve each other. We give and receive, give and receive. Galatians 6.10 says, Every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community 
of faith. That's the family of God. That's the church. He's saying you've got to care about everybody. We, we don't become a closed-in community. We don't, the church is not supposed to be a clique. No, we go passionately, but we've got to have something to give. So we work on being a caring community, right? He's saying you've got to care about everybody, but we've got to start with those who are closest to us in the church family. If it doesn't start there, we've got nothing to offer. And in the small groups, etc. Or, or we'll never give off the flavor, the scent of love that will attract outsiders. Someone said that two of the most dangerous words you can pray are the words, use me. Use me, Lord, with my brothers and sisters. Or with outsiders, use me. When you say, God used me, get ready to have, you, get ready to have your socks blessed off. And get ready for some, you know, opposition and difficulties and things too. They both almost always go together, but that's how we grow. Because God is looking for people to use and to bless in that way, who make themselves a channel of His blessing. Those are the ones that He fills up. Because He knows they won't waste it. But there's one, there's a one word prayer that's just as dangerous as the prayer, use me. Rick Warren says it's the prayer, whatever. Whatever, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Whatever you want me to be, I'll, I'll, I'm just going to go out there and work it, be in it. However hard it may be to be, whatever you want me to say, I'll say it. Whatever you want me to give, I'll give it. Whatever you want me to think or to go, whatever, I'll do it. It's a word that opens us up to whatever, really ultimately to Him. When you come to that point in your life, God, whatever, then you begin to experience life as like it was meant to be lived. Life's a journey. Life's an adventure. Life is a thrill of, a, of the roller coaster as you plunge in. Of God saying, you said whatever, here we go. <laughs> Buckle up. That's life. And that's what we've been talking about when it comes to serving each other and serving outsiders. Getting out of our shells. So this is how we learn to serve, by just saying, God, whatever. I'll serve in little ways, big ways, any way in between. That's how we grow and that's how we serve. And that's how we really dive into the pot with our all. God, whatever, here I go. Whether that means hosting a group or praying for the first time in the midst of a small group or whatever uh, it may mean for you. When we do whatever with one another. That's what we've been learning about serving each other. Finally, though, we've been learning about reaching out together. We've learned some really important truths uh, about reaching out. The first one is this verse in James one twenty seven: Real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father, is this. Reach out to the homeless, the loveless, in their plight. God says the test, real religion, the test of your faith is not what you know. It can be so deceptive. The test of your faith is not what you say you believe or how much you feel, how deeply you feel you believe it. It's, no, it's what you prove you believe. Proving the will of God, as it says in Romans 12.1, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The test of your Christianity is how you treat other people. 
That's it. Specifically, specifically according to James 127, real religion, it's um, uh, specifically those who need help, just like we so desperately needed help when he brought us into the family. He says, I'm looking to see not what you say you believe, not what you know, but the real test of your faith is this. Do you love people enough to help them when they're down? It's pretty simple. It's all through the Old Testament. It's all through the New Testament. When you help the helpless, remember what Steve Green sings, when you help the helpless, that is true Christianity. Whatever you do to the least of these, you've done it unto me. There's such a pleasing aroma arising from our pot this year. Many are feasting on our love, as are we, because there's nothing like stewed uh, disciples. And I'm so proud of the way that, uh, that, uh, that uh, I, I've seen uh, you reach out all the way from Operation Angel Trees. One group is just really going for that, to Operation Christmas Child, to helping some needy people in our church make this huge move, to uh, helping the homeless, many, many other things. It's a really good thing. It's true Christianity. It's the aroma that arises from being better uh, together. As I said, Boone Anderson, the famous guy you saw up there on the screen just a few minutes ago, up on the silver screen earlier in the service, he's actually here with us uh, in person. He and Teresa serve with uh, team ministries in France, providing what they call in the video, intense landmark pressure cooker camping experiences for France's next generation. A hugely needy country, far more needy spiritually than we are. And it all turns on the next generation. Uh, They're creating an environment where the Spirit can soften hearts and wills. They're doing what I've been talking about for the last 20 minutes, except in a very intense kind of a way through these weekend or week-long experiences. where An environment where God awakens the senses and nourishes the soul, as they said, and seasons the disciple. Where Jesus becomes a reality and where that reality, as Boone said, penetrates the depths of the human soul. It's a powerful thing that God has called them to do, and I've asked uh, Boone, in a lot of ways, to do whatever this morning. So would you mind coming up, Boone, for just a bit, uh, to get up here in front of all these people, to jump into the pot with all of us in one room, and to share in person briefly um, maybe a story or something, Boone, about uh, that'll help it soak in a little bit more as we go from here and serve others in the world. But uh, just to kind of see you live. How many of you have actually met Boone and Teresa? Quite a number of you. So, Boone, um, let's see. I believe this is the one that's working. And uh, why don't you just share a little bit about, uh, I don't know if you came with a story or a... Uh... I, uh, I have a story. Um, and it, I think it fits. You know, I'm trying to make it fit. That is not on one you say. Well, this will be there. See that? <laughs> Hello. Hello. Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> Sorry. So... I'll start the story with some scenes. The first scene is uh, I walk into my office and I notice this young young guy that's been uh, in our program for 10 days now is still sitting at my desk staring at the computer. You've been there for hours. What are you reading about? What are you are you catching up on emails? Like, no, I'm learning Albanian grammar. 
Okay. Don't you want to learn how to say hello first? Like, no, no, I need to know the structure before I know the words. So this is Aurel, and he's head smart, very much. Well, he's kind of nerdy, but that's the kid that we've been discipling, and he just found out yesterday he's going to Albania for 10 days. So, all right, I got to learn the grammar. I have three hours. Let's go. <laughs> that's his approach. And we've been learning through experience all week, praying through experience, not talking about it too much. Just let's do it. All right, today we're going to pray. I'll stop talking. Let's start praying type thing. So um, that's the first scene, uh, presenting Aurel. A few days later, we're in Albania, and uh, um, Aurel really is burdened for this guy, Nicolas, that we met. We know he's not a Christian. Some of them are baby Christians, some aren't. But we know this guy isn't, and he is the most talkative person I've ever met. He's Albanian, and they're very gregarious, but then he speaks English faster than I am, and Aurel has a burden for him. But he can't place a word in edgewise. He just can't. He wants to talk to him about God. And between his French, uh, French uh, and English, he just can't get there. Um, a few days later, I see him again, like wa- watching ping pong game. He's watching because another guy, Tobias, who's a little better at English, a little more bold, is sharing with Nicolas about Jesus. And here is Aurel just watching Wow, how do you do that? How that happened? And uh, just, I said, you want a sandwich? He didn't even hear me. So he's just telling, he's just watching. So this is, uh, now it's the end of our three-week program. They've, these students have been there for three weeks, 10 days in France, 10 days in Albania. We just got off the plane. We're tired, exhausted. God has been transforming them, stewing them. And um, he and a few others, one of the leaders and a few others, have to wait an hour for the train to go home across France. And Aurel just stands up. He walks 50 yards over here, sits down next to a lady on the bench, and starts talking to her. And he comes back 45 minutes later, grinning, going, uh, last night I asked the Lord for an opportunity to share my faith. And she was really receptive to what I had to say. And this... He'd been watching and been hearing and never dared, head smart. He lived it out, practiced it, and that's what we called, our program was called LEAD, and we call that the LEAD effect, you know. Send them back into their communities with, they've tasted, they've seen, they want to be an aroma, and he didn't even make it home before he started uh, sending off flavor and uh, so that I, we all praised the Lord and kind of cried. It was like, oh, uh, that's the shy kid who didn't dare talk. Well, oh. hmm. so that's a story that I think illustrates that and uh, really warms our hearts to uh, wanting to intense times to transform this kid. He comes from a church where the youth group is him, you know, and it's a small church plant and there's maybe 35 people. So community, he doesn't get to stew in it all that often. And... Uh, Yet he can stew and go and be a light and be a salt. Uh, story. Amen. Teresa, are you here? You are here. Come on down. Why don't we? We'd like to pray for you. And there, he's got so many other stories. He shared a half hour with Iron Hour uh, this last Wednesday. Some really powerful stories about stewed disciples. And it's just exciting to see what they're doing. And thank you for coming here and sharing your vision and for illustrating our vision and my sermon. You bailed me out.
in such a powerful way. So thank you. Father, we want to thank you. And all of us, silently in prayer, lift them up now as I pray audibly. Thank you for Boone and Teresa. Thank you, Father, for the powerful call that you've given them. Thank you for how powerfully you've gifted them to minister in this needy country. And Father, I pray that uh, somehow, as they've been back on furlough, that in addition to continuing to give out, that somehow you would fill them up. That you'd encourage them. That you'd empower them. That you'd ready them to go back filled with your Spirit. Thank you for all the stories that they bear with them and the stories uh, yet to be told that you'll make possible through them. Father, protect them and shield them from the attacks of the evil one as they are the heart of a fierce spiritual warfare that's going on in France. We pray that they be strong in you and in the strength of your might, that you'd keep them together and that you'd Help them, Father, in the midst of it all to be seasoned to perfection, to ever deeper levels. And that many others would experience this as well. We commit them to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, why don't we all stand?